We love to worship. But here's what I will tell you. It is real and it is authentic. And every single word of those songs, every single one of us have walked through that. There came a point, I don't know about you, Rafe, but I was thinking there is no wall he won't kick down and he had to kick that wall down for me. (laughs) You put it, I did too. He said, I put it up. Every time we sing a song like that or we sing a song that says a little more of Jesus, a little less of me, it did kind of like take the ends of my toes off, right? Because I'm really good about making it all about me. I'm really good at forgetting that the world isn't all about my opinions or my thoughts or what's happening or what's going on. And I forget that, you know, what really matters the most is a whole lot less of Dee Jones and a whole lot more of Jesus Christ. Every day. And through this time, I have to tell you, I was so excited to see so many faces. And a lot of times I stand up here and stall for a moment because I do stare at your faces. I have missed you so much. And I'm excited to see you. Last week, Easter was phenomenal. I think our tech crew, Tony, and our whole team, and our band, and our singers, and all of you, it was an amazing Easter Sunday. And it was an amazing Easter Sunday because we weren't at home. We had the honor and the privilege of coming together. Amen? And let me tell you, it is an honor and a privilege to come in and build community. It is. And I have missed it. I'm so glad to be with you. Now, I learned several things though through the pandemic, and I have to tell you that one of my favorite things, even before the pandemic ever took place, is I like to bake. I don't eat it, but I like to bake it. And I like to give it away. I like to, if someone's having a bad day, hey, here's a pie. If you're from Texas, it's pie. Here's a cake. Here's some cake pops. Here's a death by chocolate. I love to bake. And growing up in my home, I had some of the best bakers in my home. But one in particular was my Aunt Thelma. My Aunt Thelma could bake. And I don't know what Aunt Thelma did, but it wasn't like anything anyone else could make. But particularly, she had this chocolate cake. Y'all are like, oh, it's kind of a mute point. No, no, this chocolate cake was like no other chocolate cake you have ever, ever, ever eaten. It was literally, I put a ruler to it, it was taller than a foot. It was three layers, and each layer was about that tall with that much filling underneath it, and then another layer, and then more filling. Do y'all get me? It's like like even Cheesecake Factory had nothing on Aunt Thelma's chocolate cake. And my favorite thing was when Aunt Thelma would come to town, Aunt Thelma would walk off the plane, guess what, with that chocolate cake in her hand, and it was bigger than her. So several years ago, we lost Aunt Thelma, and with mom passing away, I've been going through recipes and looking for Aunt Thelma's chocolate cake. I couldn't find it. 
But I found some things that I thought, okay, I think I can sort of figure it out. So I set on this journey to make this chocolate cake. Hmm. Well, it's been a journey. I baked it. It even looked beautiful. It was almost Randall as pretty as Aunt Thelma's, but not quiet. Cut it, laid it out, took a bite. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. And I thought, what did I do? Like, I've put these recipes together. What did I do? Well, I didn't put any salt in it. Left the salt out. So I'm a total Enneagram four or five. So I'm a nerd that likes high heels and makeup. Total nerd. So I go and I research, is salt really that big a deal? Because I want to make sure before I made this cake again, did it really matter? Maybe I just can't bake Aunt Thelma's cake. Well, I began to learn that salt is really a very important ingredient because it's what brings all the other ingredients in that bowl together to make it pop. To bring all the flavors out of the baking soda and the sugar and the flour and the egg. Salt really pulls all of those flavors together. So I thought, okay. So I got ready and I thought, okay, that makes sense to me. I'm going to try this again. So I did. I got ready to bake it again. And this time, I put a tablespoon of salt. Mama Carol, you know what I did there, don't you? I put way too much salt in that cake. Guys, it was disgusting. And I mean, it tasted like salt cake. It was so nasty. It wasn't even like chocolate cornbread. It was so gross. And I thought, what in the world? So once again, I research and I'm looking and I discover, hey, maybe you don't put so much salt in there. So I went back. It called for a half a teaspoon. So I put a half a teaspoon in there. Made the cake for the third time beautiful this time I cut it and this time I prayed over it a little more (laughs) bit into it now I'm not gonna lie and tell you it was as good as Aunt Thelma's because nothing will ever be Aunt Thelma's chocolate cake but you could eat it it was good and it was pretty I made it pretty Brian I made it pretty it looks so good what did I learn I learned that a whole lot of salt is really nasty. But I learned that you need a little salt. And my mother would call it a dash of salt. She had her little salt bowl and she would just pick it and dash it in there. I'm like, how do you know? You're like, you just know. You just pick it and you just drop it in there. Now you're wondering, why is she telling me about A cake and salt, because today we're going to talk about salty people. Now, as I'm doing that, I know all of a sudden I see the clouds above your head, and y'all got a list of going. I know who those salty people are. But don't count them out yet. Don't count yourself out yet. 
So I had to look up, what did salty mean? So I'm once again doing my research. What does salty mean? Well, if you look it up in the Urban Dictionary, here's what it says. Being salty is when you are upset over something little. Let me read that one more time because I didn't get an amen from that, Randall. (laughs) Being salty is when you are upset over something little. Hmm. Do you know any people like that? Argue like that? I always thought salty meant sassy or you know, ornery. That was a word in my family was ornery. Anybody know what ornery means? Yeah, I know some of you do. Y'all can raise your hand and say, I get you. But salty. So today, as normal, Jesus always gives us an idea of what to do with those that are salty around us. Jesus gives us an idea of what it means to understand how to deal and cope with salty. It also gives us an idea of what we need to do if we are salty. We're going to read today from Luke 4, if you want to follow me. Luke 4, starting at verse 16. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. So this is his home. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, and he normally did and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release of the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Everyone was raving about Jesus, so impressed. Where they saw gracious words following from their lips, they said. They said, this is Joseph's son, isn't it? They're loving this. Jesus is saying everything he wants them to say. Then something changes. In verse 23, then Jesus said to them, undoubtedly, You will quote this, saying to me, Doctor, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. So see, he's wanting them to show them some favor because this is his home. He's a homeboy. He's in his place. He said, I assure you that no prophet is welcome in the prophet's hometown. And I can assure you that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time when it didn't rain for three and a half years. And there was a great food shortage in the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to a widow in the city of Zarephath in the region of Sidon. There were also many persons with skin diseases in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of them were cleansed. Instead, Naaman the Syrian was cleansed. Now here it goes. We're three verses down and guess what happens? 
When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was filled with anger. They rose up and ran him out of town. They led him to the crest of the hill on which their town had been built so that they could throw him off a cliff. But he passed through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So they're happy one minute and they're mad the next Does that sound familiar? Now, wait a minute. We go from loving him and thinking he's the best thing. Hey, he's one of ours. He is our boy. To lead him out and throw him off the cliff. Throw him off a cliff. You see, salty people can either get mad that it didn't go their way or they can trust God for the right way. Now let me read that again, Jackie. Salty people can either get mad that it didn't go their way or they can trust God for the right way. Jesus did not back down from his truth and his purpose. Jesus knew it wasn't going to go well. He told them this isn't going to go well. He even told them a prophet will be rejected in its own country. So he told them exactly what they were about to do, and that's what they got mad about. Which is also the first time that we hear Jesus being called prophet. But see, they thought he was going to do exactly what they thought he should do, and Jesus didn't do that. So when he was saying what they wanted him to say, They were okay with it. But when he started saying things they didn't want to hear him say, go jump off a cliff. Oh, better yet, let us just escort you there. How many of us have done that? We go from this is our best friend, the love of our life, to whatever, to all of a sudden, let me lead you to the outskirts of town and throw you off a cliff. But we've all been there. We've all been Jesus where someone's tried to throw us off a cliff. And we've also been that group that has said, oh, no, I'm over this. And usually, by the time we get in the mix of whatever is going on, we have forgotten why we got salty to begin with. Because it was a little thing. But we let that salt grind into that wound and just make it worse. Do I pour too much salt into the situation? Or do I put just a dash to help the situation? That's the choice you and I get. We get that choice in everything. The great thing about our theology and free will is is that we are not puppets on a string. The greatest love shown to us is that God loves you. Are you looking for all the things that are wrong? Or are you showing the world all the things that are right? Every day we get that choice. I can find all the good I want or I can find all the bad I want. I can put myself into a situation with my friends or at work or with my family to where I've always got something to say. And it can be something good or it can be something bad. 
But you get that choice to decide what that is. Are you that dash of salt that changes the game completely for the good of what the situation is? Or are you the one that puts so much salt into the situation that that cake is disgusting? It can be pretty all day long, but when you bite into it and you take a bite of that cake and it's disgusting, it doesn't matter. You push it away. And how are you dealing with salty people? How are you dealing with salty people? Jesus didn't back down from his truth. He did get his message across in a way that even warned them. Jesus doesn't back down from that same truth to us. I mean, you asked. You just didn't like your answer. Jesus shows us that there is a way of dealing with salty people in tough situations. Did you know that you can love people you don't agree with? And do you know that sometimes we don't even have to give our opinion about it? Y'all did not amen me right there. You can love someone you don't agree with. And I mean, here's the deal. You can really love them. They can even be your friend and you don't have to agree with them. I mean, some people like vanilla over chocolate. What are you telling me? Jesus is going to serve chocolate in heaven and y'all are wanting vanilla. But that's okay. I'm going to love you anyway. Thank you, Susie. I found that dealing with salty people can be one of the hardest things that we'll ever do. Mostly for a couple of different reasons, but mostly it's because it always catches you in places you didn't expect, out of nowhere. There will be salty people in your life from now on. Did you know there will be people looking to find something wrong? There will be people looking to pick a fight. And there will be people searching for the next drama. While looking you in the face saying, I don't do drama. But Jesus showed us that we don't get caught up in what that means. We get caught up in just being the salt of the earth that he created us to be. Jesus showed us over and over again because you know what? The scripture just ends. It says he walks off. He has spoken his peace. He has done. They didn't like his answer. He just walks off. He shows us what to do. Now, I know that some of us want to make it a little bit better hallmark ending, and we want that to all work out way better than it did. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, please forgive me. But listen, you may not get that either. You may never get the apology you deserve, and you may never come to the place that you've asked forgiveness that you deserve. And here's the thing about salty people is why. What is their motivation behind what they want you to know? What are you expecting to happen by what you're planning to say? What is your motivation behind that? That's how come we get salty. Because we've chosen in that moment to pick that battle to fight. 
So maybe we reassess what battles are worth fighting and what battles do we let go. Because this just needs a dash. This doesn't need a tablespoon. Because here's what happens. Just like that bowl that I was putting together when I left the salt out and discovered it's important. When you pour that salt into that ingredient and you begin to mix that together and then you pour in your eggs and you pour in your milk and you put all of this together, God will take it and he will make it a masterpiece. God will take it and he will put it together in a way that it tastes better than anything you could imagine. Even better than Aunt Thelma's chocolate cake. Because that's what the Holy Spirit can do if we just get out of the way and let Jesus work with that dash of salt. It's not my job to do it. It's not your job to do it. It's God's job to do it. He will use what we do and what we give and what we lay at his feet. He will use it and he will turn it into something wonderful. So how? Do we deal with salty or are we salty? But we also get the chance to bring balance. Because no salt doesn't work either. But you don't need a tablespoon. And to me and for me, that balance has always been, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus say, this is the end of it. This is a period at the end of the sentence, not a comma. And I'm going to walk away from this. Because we know the end of that story. We just learned the end of that story again and again and again, just like we did last week. Those same salty people nailed him to a cross. But he rose again. And he keeps showing us over And over and over again what it means to bring balance and taste and beauty and love and courage and wisdom to all things. Are we willing to live into our own saltiness so that we can be the salt of the earth and not the salt that made that cake gross and bitter? And as I close, I want to remind you, some, some told me, and I even had one lady tell me after worship today, because I preached and thrived. She said, honey, I'm just got habits. This is just who I am. And that's true. We all have them. I have friends that love telling me, I just say what I mean, and sometimes it upsets people, and that's just who I am. And there's never going to be people you can't offend. Don't get me wrong. But I do challenge each and every single one of us in all situations to stop and say, is it time for a tablespoon of salt? It's never time for a tablespoon of salt. Ever. Maybe on those chips at your favorite Mexican food restaurant, but not in your cake. Somebody said a margarita, didn't they? That's my people. That's my people. I wish you could see what was going on in this place this morning. You're missing it. They're telling the story right now and you probably can't hear them. 
But that tablespoon won't work. It's a dash. It's a dash of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that works in your life to make you the salt of the earth. And here's the deal, you're never too old to change. You're never too young to change. If you're still here, it's because God has you here for a reason and a purpose. So use your dash and use it well. Use your dash and use it well. Father, I thank you that because of you, We can be the salt of the earth in all things. I thank you, God, for who you are and how every day you give us grace one more time. You give us mercy one more time. You show us love in a way we could never fully comprehend in this entire lifetime. But God, we know that you are present. We know that you are loving. We know that, God, you are there. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. And Father, we're going to run into those times of salty people. Don't let us be the salty ones. And Father, let us know when they're salty to us, we just move on. Let your glory speak. Let your honor work. Let your Holy Spirit move. Father, I thank you. I thank you. In your precious and your holy name. Amen.